Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, back with her trademark brand of B-minus leadership, it's my sister, Marissa. I'm back, everybody! Woohoo! I gotta save the world! <laughs> and, you know, you're feeling better now, so you can do that. Sli- slightly better, yes. Slightly better. Still a little phlegmy, but... Can you, get a- <laughs> can you get a cold in the afterlife? Can you get sick? Well, Chidi's always getting a stomach ache, that's but I think that's I sort thinking. of psychosomatic. <laughs> we are back with the second part of the premiere. I guess, I mean, it is kind of the second part of the premiere, even though it's the second episode for season four. Before we jump into the recap, a little housekeeping up top. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay, goodplay.cast.rocks. If you could please rate and review us on your podcast app of choice, that would be lovely. We're doing a little review drive for season four. Um, We read some of the reviews last week. If you leave us a review, we will read it out loud and shout you out. Uh, You can also follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group called The Good Play Pod, which Marissa was posting Ron Burgundy gifts in this week. (laughs) That's one of my favorite gifts of all time. I mean, it's so (laughs) multi-purpose. Twitter at the Good Play Pod, and you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. Do we have any emails this week? I have a tweet from the young lady who left us that really nice review, so I'll oh, probably yay! read that. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay, cool. Um, and before we jump into the recap, I just wanted to say a uh, shout out to everybody at New York Comic Con this weekend. I was there yesterday. Brag. Hashtag brag. Hashtag brag. I, I, you know, I live close enough that it is like not a huge rigmarole for me to get there um and so i went yesterday and i saw a girl dressed up a young woman dressed up as janet she that seems to be a new like favorite cosplay situation it's very recognizable Mm -hmm. and i was walking down the hall and i was like and i was like i love your costume and she was like thank (laughs) you and i was like fumbling for my phone to see if i could take a picture and then i just didn't get it in time and new york comic con Ah. is just like we are all cosplay dust in the wind it's like i would see people and like, uh i have to tell you so marissa bought me a spider gwen sweatshirt spider gwen for christmas last year for my birthday your birthday and uh so i was like oh well, i know what i'm going as spider gwen so original and i saw like 1500 spider gwens but every time i saw them i'd be like spider gwen spider gwen there's a little girl dressed up as spider gwen and i was like it's little spider gwen hello and there was this guy dressed up as miles morales and we like (gasps) walked past each other and he looked at me and smiled and i just went hey and he went hey it was really funny um so great place to be but i so i didn't see much good place stuff going on there i think they have a bigger contingent at uh san diego comic-con because they have their panels there right but when it's tv it. when it's tv it's all happening in california i don't yeah. think they really come east for stuff like this yeah tv uh, and film both actually yeah so i did get to see a janet for a fleeting moment so if you are that young woman and oh my god the, the know, chances of that are maybe who knows means it does in the wind if you are are if you love the good place enough to cosplay as janet you're probably listening to good place podcasts right yes but ours is only like the sixth most popular ah boo okay (laughs) well anyway it was a lot of fun and uh i hope all of you get to experience it at some point in your lifetime there are so many people there anyway (laughs) do we want to anything else up top or do we want to jump in don't think i have anything else I have a little just for fun thing for us at the end of this episode. Oh, is it a quiz? Is it a quizlet? Oh, I know what I wanted to say. I know what what I want to say before I get into the recap. Before I get into the recap, let me get into the thing that I had to watch before the thing that we're recapping, which is this dumb, dumb show that I don't know what it's called, but it's about Bradley Whitford, who is like a... Oh, I saw like five (laughs) seconds of that last week, and I was like, Oh, I saw like a good four minutes of it, because I really didn't want to miss anything, and I was like, what is happening? Bradley Whitford, who is now unacceptably (laughs) old-looking, 
is this like is a real blow to all of you who wrote Josh and Donna fan fiction back in the day. You're talking talking about me i know yes i am okay all all of me who wrote slash donna whoever else did yeah whoever else is listening i so i mean as far as i can tell from the four minutes that i watched at the end of this episode it's like it's like if you took hey these liberal elites need to learn how good the good old towns of the south are and then you mixed it in with Glee somehow. That's what I got out of it. I was like, guys, it's, Glee was Glee was over a decade ago at this point. Like, you cannot be thinking that this is how you're going to make... Because, you know, like, everyone's always wanted to emulate Glee because Glee made a ton of money off the um, cast albums. Uh, like, so, like, the real money from Glee did not come in from, like, the advertising during the TV show. I mean, it was money from that, certainly. But, like, the real, like golden goose wait a minute that's not the idiom the the real goose that laid the golden egg with glee was all these cds that they would put out of the songs which were you know this was a little bit before streaming music and it was like wildly popular like on itunes or like a cd or whatever Mm -hmm. and i was like i can't believe it's 2019 and that's what nbc has gone with like they're saying like they've got a choir singing a popular song acapella i mean it was so so bad it was so bad it's not like bradley whitford is hurting for work he's on the handmaid's tale oh is he yeah and as far as i'm concerned like he could just walk around or he was in get out like as far as i'm concerned he could just walk around being like yes i am josh lyman i never have to work again i don't know how they got him to be on the show or why i don't i don't i don't know maybe you know it's nbc maybe he owes someone a favor i i don't maybe it was it was just so it was such reductionist sort of like oh look at this boy from the big city who thinks he knows things and then like oh it's okay we accept you now again as i'm getting this from the last four minutes of the second episode of their show we accept you now and then oh my god i guess you know what i feel sad about it's that what? girl from. It's that girl from. Um, I know from Pitch Perfect. Thank you. So not yeah. Anna Kendrick, but like the second lead of Pitch Perfect, yeah. who is a beautiful, beautiful woman with a beautiful voice, and like, what is she doing? Married on the show. Married to Skylar Aston, also of Pitch Perfect. I don't. Wait a minute. What? He's the love interest from Pitch Perfect. He is. They're married. Okay, I don't know who this person is. She deserves better than this TV show. That's all I want to say. Yes, we all do. <laughs> yes. So we're going to talk about something better. Yes. So then that show was over, and I was like, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. And it rolled into Girl from Arizona, part two, aka chapter 41 of shall The Good we, Place. Yes. Shall we get going? Yes. Already. We shall. So they, the Soul Squad is in Mindy's house, kind of having like a tete-a-tete. Trying to, you know, well, I think the original topic of conversation is kind of like, I don't understand why the bad place sort of so blatantly cheated right out of the gate by sending Chris the mailman disguised as uh, a Scandinavian lady. Which is what we had that conversation last week on our episode. Yeah. And so Michael says, well, they're desperate because they know they're going to lose. And that's just so obviously false (laughs) that it does sort of raise the question of like, well, but now really why? Because Janet says later in the episode that when they started that she calculated a 9% chance of success. Right. Which sounds about right. It's and like so, Doctor Strange running all of the simulations and being like, this is the only one the that one, works. While the exact I turn one. Into dust. Really? There's not one where Thanos just hits his head on something and acts, you know, like, it's fine. So they have, the bad place also has Janet's, right? Like, yeah. So that's not the reason. So then we still don't know about, like, why Chris the mailman. Still, as far as I'm concerned, it's still an open question. Yeah. So, you know, Eleanor is obviously like, hey, it's not great for me that my ex-boyfriend... Does she call him her ex? She does, right? Yeah, she does. Yeah. Which is... I mean, that's such a... It's such an inadequate term for what they are. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't break up. He sacrificed himself... You know, if your if your husband threw himself in front of a moving car to save 
a child, you wouldn't call him your ex-husband. <laughs> right? God, I if hope he, not. Right? If you woke up in the hospital with no memory of anything as an amnesiac, you still wouldn't call him your ex-husband, right? I think like, we've got... Wait a second. A guy who sacrifices himself to save a child and wakes up in an amnesia ward? I think we have, like, we're the beginnings of a Lifetime movie on our hands. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say the new lead-in for The Good Place on NBC. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that too. We could probably write something better. Oh right, that was literally the plot of one of the Christmas movies we did. Almost, almost, almost word for word, almost right. verbatim. Yeah. So in any case, but she, yeah, she does call him Rex, and she's she's not comfortable with her, you know, quote unquote ex. I I don't like that term, but whatever. Not comfortable with her ex boyfriend being one of the experiment experimentees, but uh, she doesn't have a choice as it happens. And she's like, okay, let's focus on Brent. Like, he's he's an easy nut to crack. You know, he was born on third base and thinks he invented the game of baseball, which is Hilarious. such a good bird. And it's just, like, so pitch-perfect accurate. Oh, pitch-perfect. We're back to pitch-perfect. <laughs> and she's like, you know, let's, you know, let's make him realize the extent to which he does not belong in this neighborhood of, you know, everyone in the neighborhood at this moment is genuinely either a good person, that would be Chidi and Simone, or a robot who is pretending to be a good person, that would be all the Janet babies, or it's the other two guys, right? Like, most of the people in the neighborhood are going to seem to be really, really good compared to Brent, who is... Atrocious. Yes. Atrocious? I was like, can't can't curse. What do I say? (laughs) Yeah, atrocious. Thank you, Brianna. Yeah. So... Eleanor's like let that's that she hosts a game show called That Was Your Life. Well, not a game show. It's like the original sort of like television reality show, so to speak. Back in, I think it actually predates television. It used to be on radio, where they would, you know, call someone up, you know, someone who's elderly usually, and it's called like This Is Your Life, and and they would interview people from your life. But in this case, it's just interviewing the person who has died. And the first guest is a is a Janet baby who claims to have saved all ducks and all horses from extinction, <laughs> which Cheaty kind of questions the mechanics of, but ultimately accepts. He's like, I'm sorry, you said all ducks? Yeah. <laughs> all of them. Every yeah. single duck. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, and I didn't want to brag, but horses too. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, then Cheaty gets up and talks about being a moral philosopher. We don't really see much of what he says. I'm guessing because like, it would be pretty repetitive for us. Like we know what Cheaty's life was like. Yeah. So there's sort of like a little cut in here where Jason's talking to Michael and is like, uh, you know, I'm trying to make it up to Janet because, you know, I killed Derek in the last episode and it kind of caused a lot of problems. So like, I'm thinking about getting all the Janet babies to like do a giant flash mob for her. And Michael's like, your whole life, people were trying to teach you not to do the thing as it immediately popped into your head. And he's like, oh, I wish I'd learned that on Earth. He's like, yeah, judges, mostly, were trying to teach you (laughs) to not immediately follow every impulse. And he's like, oh, okay, well, then I guess I won't do that. Importantly, he says that Jason's torture in the first iteration was to be a monk because he has such poor impulse control. And so... there's There's also a point where Michael goes... Jason, 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 yeah. Jason. And Jason's like, what? And Michael's like, oh, that's just, I wrote, it's a it's a cheat code where if I say your name five times in a row, it gets rid of my headache. Oh my God. <laughs> it's pretty great. So funny. But yeah, he was like, I made you a monk because I knew it was going to be torture for you because you have such poor impulse control. And so I think we're sort of hearkening back to, you know, a lot of this episode is reminiscent of the first season in some ways. And I think this mm-hmm. was another nod to that, like... Hey, remember who you used to be? Like, you have to be better than that. He was pretty good at pretending to be a monk for several episodes in that first season. Yeah. He kept it up surprisingly well. But I guess he had his bud hole to retreat to. Yes. And then he finally went, homie? No. (laughs) Yeah. So we cut back to the This Was Your Life show. So Brent is the next guest. Now, he's been on stage the whole time, like, sitting through Duck Lady and Cheaty and, like, obviously not having any of it like checking his watch being like i've got a tea time like does not want to be here for any of this so he kind of gets up on the he gets in the chair and he says a bunch of things that are super problematic about how he got into princeton on his own merit just like his father and his father's father which is just like Ugh. so like i will say from a personal 
standpoint that like I have this this thing about Princeton. So I, I, I was born in the town of Princeton and when I was little I always thought that I would go to Princeton and then I uh, I took a campus tour of Princeton and I was like, oh, it's a bunch of snobs. This is a problem. I do not think that I would fit in here. So I have this sort of love-hate relationship with Princeton as a school. I kind of wish I had tried to go there. But really? I ultimately think, yeah, but I ultimately think it would have been like not good for me. Because it probably is full of a lot of Brents. I was going to say, I think you would have known a lot more Brents. Yeah. Yeah. So... He talks for, like, a minute, and then he's like, anyway, I'm late for my tea time. And he, like, gets down off the stage, and there is, like, a, a, a humskalade waiting for him. For him he to get into. what that means. A humskalade. It's a Hummer Escalade. It's a humskalade. <laughs> that is from it's, The Daily Show, like, many, many, many moons ago. Oh, it's, like, it's called, like, 2006. The Daily Show circa 2006, if not earlier. And Eleanor's like, he got a car? And, and Janet's just kind of like, eh. Like, everything that Brent is asking Janet for, Janet is giving to him because I think that's... She doesn't really have a way out, right? Right. She doesn't really have an escape hatch on he his request. like, a sparkling water from her while he's on stage. And she has... Oh, I forgot. Oh, yeah. God, that's so awful. So, you know, they're sort of, like, talking about, like, oh, Brent is the worst. And, like, you know, how do we... How do we make him realize he's the worst? And then Eleanor's like, oh, let's use a bat- another bad play strategy on him, which is the chaos sequence. So instead of all the stuff in the first chaos sequence of the first season, where everything is a reference to Eleanor and something she said or done, this is a Brent chaos sequence where everyone is wearing Princeton colors and the Princeton tiger is rampaging through. I wonder how Princeton feels about this, but who cares? And, and the Princeton tiger is like rampaging through the neighborhood and... With this, that, the other thing. And Michael and Eleanor are in the Princeton color, like the zigzag suit. And they're like, Brent, we're so sorry. And he's the only one not. Like, just the way that Eleanor was in the first season. He's the only one not in those colors. And he's just sort of, like, sipping a latte or whatever in his, like, lush bathrobe. And they're like, Brent, we're so sorry. We don't know what's happening. We're going to figure this out. And he's like, I know what's happening. I don't belong here. Obviously, there's a place better than this. And I belong there. In the best place. Yeah. Oh, my God. So he... I, I I'll say this. He starts asking, like, where are my friends? And he names a bunch of, like, obviously ridiculous nicknames. And it's very obviously a Brett Kavanaugh reference. Yeah. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh, obviously, is the alleged rapist who is now a Supreme Court justice. His confirmation hearings were about a year ago where he talked about all of his ridiculous friends with their ridiculous nicknames. And this is an obvious callback to this. I will say one thing, which is that the question of where are the people that I knew and loved when I was alive is an extremely natural question to ask when you're in the afterlife. And it's a little bit forked up that no one has ever asked it before at this point. (laughs) Right? Like, where is Cheaty saying... Oh, I, I want to see my great aunt Melinda or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's it, true. It's yes, Brent is the actual worst, but also in this moment, he's sort of the most human of anybody we've ever seen have the revelation that they are in the afterlife, and it, that's a little bit disturbing to me. Well, I mean, yes, I can. Part of that is correct, but another part of that is. He's convinced he's in the wrong place because he doesn't see any of his friends. And so why, you know, he's assuming that they, all these guys who ostensibly were exactly like Brent. Yes. Are already in the best place and he deserves to be with them. But you're correct in that nobody, like, I understand why Tahani's not asking about her family members, like her parents, right? I understand that. Um, but yeah, for people like Chidi, who had a ostensibly a good relationship with his parents, I don't know why. Not just your parents. So like, if you're thinking to yourself, like, this is heaven, then like, wouldn't Chidi be like, where's my grandma? You know what I mean? Like, just ever having the question of like, oh, I realize this is a closed neighborhood for a limited number of people, but like, can I ever go see my grandma? Yeah. You know, I'm sure she's just in a different neighborhood. Like, can I just go see her? Yeah. Like... No, that's interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, and we get a, a a note in here about how Brent has been sexually harassing Janet, which Ugh. is great. It's great. Ugh. 
And Eleanor is like, Grah! obviously, I think she says something about going to put her head through a wall. Yeah. So we get this shot at Mindy's of Tahani, Janet, Michael, and Jason kind of talking behind Eleanor's back about how they might need a new leader. Mm-hmm. Because everything tough. that, yeah, because everything that Eleanor has done so far has kind of failed. And, and you know, they have a couple of points. Like, Tahani says, well, she ignored me about Linda, which is like, I mean, Tahani didn't, my memory of that episode is not that Tatani said there's something really suspicious about her. I really think that there's something really, really wrong. It's just Tahani kind of being like, huh, that's weird. You know what I mean? She said, doesn't anybody else think it's weird that the bad place would send someone so boring? So she was like pitching it out to the group. Yeah. So then was it, it just, I'm I'm with her on it because I think, you know, I, I think what it really was in that case is that, Eleanor didn't want to focus on Chidi, so he was like, so she was trying to like figure out other people, or I'm sorry, didn't want to focus on Simone, so she was like trying to figure out like what else they could do, and was just like, okay, uh, Linda seems easy, but like very much like trying to save herself from having to deal with putting Simone and Chidi together, and so. I, I think that may be more where it comes from. Not and they, like, and they, they mentioned that as well. The fact that yeah, she's yeah. obviously having a difficult emotional time with Simone and Chidi. Right. And she kind of walks, Eleanor, of course, in classic sitcom style, like walks in as they are sort of in the middle of explaining to Michael why they think that they need Eleanor to not be leader anymore. And it's sort of darkly funny because, you know, she walks in as they're in the middle of this and Jason just goes, oh, hi, Eleanor. We were just in the middle of explaining why you shouldn't be in charge anymore. Saved it. Like, he had another great line that I loved, which was like, yeah, Eleanor is dope, but she's, she keeps screwing everything up. That's my thing. And you wouldn't put me in charge. And And Michael's like, like, fair point. I mean, he's very self-aware in that moment. (laughs) So, you know, she comes in and she's just like, great, I don't want to do this. And I never asked for this. And so, you know, I quit. Have a good time. And storms off. So Michael goes after her and he's like, you can't really quit. And she's like, yeah, I really can. And Kristen Bell just nails this scene so hard. I just wanted to be like, such a good job. Give her all of the Emmys. Yeah, All of the Emmys for Kristen Bell. About how, like, she's just a random human who got put into this predicament. And she's not prepared for it. And she's just a girl from Arizona. And she didn't ask for any of this and what makes her special. And I, I, you know, and I put this on Twitter and, like, nobody picked it up and ran with it. So maybe it's going to be an unpopular opinion. But it did really... Sorry, so we're we're not Christian, so I'm not trying to step on any toes here, but it really did read to me like if there was a point if you imagine sort of the 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 story of Jesus, if you will, if mm-hmm. there there would have had to have come a point where somebody would have had to have tell, told him, probably an angel, I guess, told him like, "Hey, so this is the situation." <laughs> right? Like, yeah. You are actually going to be the savior savior of humanity but the way this is going to work is that you're going to be betrayed and you're going to die in a very painful way but that's going to be you're going to be the savior of all humanity and like you know you are god incarnate or whatever and and you have to imagine if this was told to him at a specific point in his life when he was like 12 or 13 that like eleanor's reaction is kind of the reaction he would have had of like oh, yeah. i didn't ask I didn't ask for any of this. Like, I'm just a kid. I'm just trying to, like, live my life. Like, what are you doing? What, well, what are you, why are you telling this to me? And it's the same, I mean, not to, you, you're talking about Jesus, not to be like Spider-Man, but, like, that is also the, <laughs> Spider-Man. Like, all of the great deities. We have Jesus. <laughs> Eleanor Shellstrop. Eleanor Shellstrop and, and Peter Parker. But that was the conversation that we had both around... Spider-Man Far From Home and around um, Spider-Verse was this idea of like people who are who ordinary, are ordinary, who are young, who are responsible now for like they have the weight of the world on their shoulders and 
Right, and it's not, these people are not, like, descended from royalty. They didn't know from birth that they had to shoulder this responsibility. It's not, there's no prophecy. They weren't spirited away from home on horseback when they were, you know, a day old or whatever. Right. These are characters who, you know, in Far From Home, he has that whole scene where he's just like, I just want to be on my school trip and be a normal kid and tell the girl that I like that I love her. You know, it's, it's almost what Eleanor is saying here like I just want to be like a normal person and I just want I imagine a normal dead person an undercurrent of this is I just want to be able to be with my boyfriend you know I don't want to have to you know I don't want him to have had to sacrifice himself I don't want me to have to shoulder this responsibility I really can't do it I thought she did an amazing job with this and I also thought that Michael's speech ted danson does a wonderful job with his yeah he does it's really beautiful right he talks about how she kept defeating him over and over again (laughs) back when he was trying to torture her and that she just has to try and try and try again because that's the only thing she can do he says he says you're the only he says you think you can't do this you're the only one who can do this the only one who can save humanity is a girl from arizona (sighs) So, yeah, and Eleanor hasn't been showering, so she goes off to take a shower. Which, like, her hair looks great for someone who hasn't been showering. <laughs> if I don't shower for a day, my hair basically retains, like, just soaks up oil from, like, every surface. I don't know. It's so gross. Yeah, mine too. Although they say, allegedly, you're not supposed to shampoo and then, like, your hair your hair magically, the no-poo method, your hair magically becomes... <laughs> what Yes, this is... No, I know. But your hair magically becomes something, apparently, if you stop shampooing it. I don't have the... I don't have the guts. I can't. I can't. I can barely live my life if I haven't taken a... If I haven't washed my hair. I also feel like me taking a shower every day is, like, doing a service for people. Like, I am (laughs) performing a public service because, like, no one wants to be around me when I haven't showered. But you can shower without washing your hair. I think that's what people would advocate. Anyway, that's not what I'm advocating. I think everyone should wash their hair. (laughs) So Eleanor goes back to the group and she obviously has kind of taken Michael's pep talk to heart and everyone else is like super apologetic. Like, ooh, we didn't. Sorry, 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 sorry. Maybe they figured out in the interim, like, who else is going to lead this? Right? Like, Well, that was her whole, her whole thing was, I actually thought that her storm out speech to the group was like, very difficult and insulting but like also on point she's like oh the only reason i'm doing this is because michael had a nervous breakdown like tahani maybe you want to do it because you're so smart and of course you know everything or jason like how about we put you in charge of like the fate of the world like nobody else is in this group is qualified to do this and tahani is the closest to an actual candidate yeah but it's not clear that she still fully appreciates how to look beyond the end of her own nose. Like yeah. she's getting there, but she's not there yet. I mean, last episode she was like talking about na- like how to fold the napkins at the welcome party. Like she's, she's not quite, I, I don't think she's quite in the right position to do this. I, and I, I, this is not me saying that every person on the planet Earth needs to have a great love story before they can become selfless human beings, because that's certainly not the case. But in this instance, the fact that Eleanor had a great love story is the thing that made her into a selfless human being, right? Yeah. She wouldn't be where she is if it weren't for Chidi. And if Tahani had a similar story, she would probably be a lot further along on her path than she is. Yeah. Um, she, I don't know. I don't know what Tahani's romantic situation is right now. It's very complicated. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to it in a minute. But I don't know if the door is open again for her to get with Jason. That's not. It's not a deep. That's not a deep and abiding love, though. That's no, a. That's no. a boink, buddy. That's a. That's they're reabsorbing each other. If, if anything. <laughs> so. Eleanor has a new idea for Brent, which is sort of psychological manipulation where she and Michael sort of go to him and are like, can you keep a secret? And he's like, yeah, I kept, you know, I kept all kinds of complaints out of HR. Like, oh God. So 
We find out, by the way, in this sequence that Brent died while drunk piloting a helicopter, which is so good. Which is the sky version of a yachting accident, which is what you thought it was. Right, yes! I was so close! Oh my gosh. So they tell him that there is a best place, but that he basically has to, you know, rack up points, you know, elite diamond miles to get into the best place. So he immediately starts doing good deeds. I mean, that, in my opinion, this is skating awfully close to the line of actually saying, hey, there's a point system, there's a scoring system, and there's somebody keeping track and you need to rack up points. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. that has to be against the rules. And they are, I would argue, they are putting a couple toes over that line by doing this. Like, they can't go to the humans and be like, look, this is... Uh, a showdown for the fate of humanity and you guys all need to act really, really good because that's the thing that's going to save humanity, right? Like, that's obviously against the rules. What they've done is just a few clicks back from that. (laughs) Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. Janet and Jason now have a conversation where Janet says, like, she can't be in a relationship right now, which is pretty understandable because she is absolutely stretched to her limit of being able to, like, run the neighborhood and be... Brent's horrible personal assistant, although hopefully he lays off her now a little bit. I don't I'm know. I'm still hoping that he's he is not with us for the whole season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be nice. Oh, and then she she ends her conversation with Jason after she breaks up with Jason, or at least they go on a break. She's like, I ha- she's like, I have to tell you that Blake Bortles is no longer with Jacksonville Jaguars. Just rubbing salt in the wound. And he's just like a destroyed shell of a human. Poor Jason, man. He didn't deserve this. No, he didn't. So Brent is now, you know, being nice to everybody. And Michael's like, his motivation is not good. And Eleanor's like, yeah, neither was mine when we first got started. And like, look at me now. And Michael's like, yeah, look at you now. And then Eleanor's like, oh, Michael, your nervous breakdown, you know, at the end of season three, that was a fake out. That was a head fake. You were just trying to, you know, coax me into becoming the leader that you knew that I had to be. And he's like, yes, that is it. You are very smart. But he's a better actor than I am. So it comes comes out so... You know, the audience knows that he's lying and Eleanor thinks he's telling the truth. Because Except, if, you are a, if you're a good actor, you can do that. Except I read some reviews that seemed to believe that he wasn't lying, which I those reviewers sure he was lying. Those reviewers are not very smart. <laughs> <laughs> or they are not the obsessive Good Place fans that we are, right? They yeah. don't, like, they don't remember or they can't, like, read. It's, I find it fairly easy to read read ted danson's acting in that scene yeah me too that's what that's what i thought i was like oh he's lying to her you know he's omitting the truth and then i read some reviews and i was like what okay so no no those reviewers are wrong i would stake my life on (laughs) (laughs) i would throw myself in front of a car and get amnesia to save a child if i were wrong about the fact that my ex-sister then my my former (laughs) sister That Michael is lying to Eleanor. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Jason kind of goes to Tahani to tell her that, you know, he and Janet are on a break and the Jacksonville Jaguars don't have Blake Bortles anymore. And she kind of gives him a little ginger hug and is like, you know, I don't know what she she says something about it. It's going to be okay or something. I don't know. Yeah. She said, whatever you go through, you're going to go through it with friends. That's right. So Eleanor has to bite the bullet now and she does the thing that i think we knew she was going to have to do in the back of our brains but we were crying in our hearts <laughs> we were all just that glass cases of emotion over this <laughs> we were all glass cases of emotion she goes to chidi tells him that it's a secret but soulmates are real and simone is his soulmate and He's all excited and he says he's never been in love. And she's like, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. Sorry. 
And yeah, and Sorry, he's like, oh yeah, turn down your dials. Yeah, <laughs> while, I, while I wail constantly. <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, I forgot. You like know everything that happened to me. And she's like, yup. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So she's like, look, normally I wouldn't tell you, you know, just sort of let people figure it out for themselves. But the problem is that Simone is sort of stuck in this believing that it's not real. And so I kind of need your help. And then we just get this just painfully adorable scene. Oh, so cute. It is very, they're very cute together. (sighs) So, okay. I'm just, my fist is against my mouth and I'm just. mm, mm. (laughs) We're having some feelings. Hashtag feelings, everyone. So. Chidi goes up to Simone and kind of engages her a little bit. And he sort of says, like, well, essentially you are just engaging in solipsism. And, oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I have to I have to backtrack because I missed the book on the head thing. Uh, yes. At one point during Chidi and Eleanor's conversation about Chidi being Simone's soulmate, he says something like, oh, I know I can talk to her about, and he starts naming philosophers and don't ask me what they are. And he says, I wonder if the book summoning thing works from outside my house. And he kind of puts out his arm and he's obviously thinking about a book, but then he puts his arm down and he and Eleanor continue their conversation for like a while. Yeah. And then she walks away and I swear I tweeted, I was like, just waiting for the book to hit him on the head. And then like seven seconds later, wham, it It hits him in the head. It's great. It's such good comedic timing. It's so amazing. And he goes down like a sack of rocks. Because you just have this like incredibly gut-wrenching moment between the two of them where she's like very clearly like screaming on the inside as she walks away. And then you like hold on Chidi for a second and then it hits him in the head. And you're like, oh man, they they really know how to do both both sides of this coin very well. Yes. So then Chidi goes and finds Simone at the Froyo shop. I don't know why we're back to Froyo. I didn't think that there was a Froyo neighborhood, but whatever. It's just an easy uh, visual sort yeah. of mo- light motif, I guess. Was I mean, it's not going to be Hawaiian pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so, or chowder. <laughs> and Chidi says to Simone, like, you know, this is solipsism. And like, it's not very mature and it's not very deep. And I thought that you were smart. And he's kind of needling her and she, but she's, but it's very cute and flirty. Yeah. And then he's like, well, if everything's in your mind and he kind of sticks a finger in her froyo, and she's like, ew. And he's like, what does it matter? You know, this is all happening inside your head. Like, what's the difference? Like, it shouldn't matter to you. It's not real. And she's like, Hmm. Which is and like, he's like, this is the kind of the most confident we've ever seen Chidi before. Yes, because now he believes this woman is his soulmate, and so, like, he can't mess it up. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Woo! If someone is your soulmate, like, it doesn't matter if you kind of get off on the wrong foot, right? Like, and you yeah. have eternity to win them over. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I just fanfic. Anyway, I... <laughs> <laughs> so... So, you know, then he sort of says, like, look, it doesn't matter if you believe this is all a simulation or whatever. Like, it doesn't cost you anything to just be nice to people instead of running around cutting off people's ponytails at a garden party. And she's like, yeah, that's a good point. And so the, and then you sort of see them, like, you know, like, you kind of zoom out and you see them, like, continue the conversation. You're like, great, they're hitting it off. <laughs> it's so great. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cute I know but, uh... <laughs> and we see out the window Eleanor is oh I forgot them. Yeah. She's like and she watching. has this look on her face like yup mission yep. accomplished well because she says herself so they go back to she goes back to Mindy's house and she's kind of like telling everybody what's up and she says that she's, you know, not sure if she's lying when she says to Chidi that they're that she and he and Simone are soulmates because they did fall in love in her, on Earth. Yeah, but that's like presupposing that there is such a thing as a soulmate, which we still don't know if there is, guys. That's never been cleared up for us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought that you had more to say. No, I mean it, it's just. Uh... I think that this is an interesting... We talked in the season four preview about the, like, will they, won't they, will they, won't they uh, article from Tor.com. And this is a very interesting way to have a love triangle, right? (laughs) Like, it's not like everybody 
is on the same page about what's going on. It's that there's one person who knows everything, and then the other two people who are adorable together don't know the full history. And, you know, there's all this dramatic irony with the people who are watching the show being like, like having the reaction that we're having, right? Of like, oh my god, they're so cute, but also I can't want this, or like I don't want to want this because I feel that he's supposed to be with this other person. It's rough. And then, you know, Eleanor says to Michael something like, you know, you were right. You know, cheaty sacrifice. I have to honor that and kind of respect it and follow through on doing the things that need done. And Michael says, I think you made the greater sacrifice because, you know, cheaty is just blissfully unaware and you have to watch it all go down. And I was like, yes, Michael is correct. Yeah, <laughs> This is yeah. unambiguous as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, Really seems to me like Eleanor has the more difficult part here. Yeah. And then she says, well, yeah, I know what he gave up. Dad Ash. And then she, you know, gets a high five from Jason. He, Which is he's, a very he's, glum high five. It was, yes, that was he's, the he's thing. sad. He's sad about Janet. And so he doesn't want to high five her back. And she's like, you can't leave me hanging. That's the code. He's like, it is the code. And he <laughs> right. high fives her back. And then it's like, cut to black. Man. Okay. Discussion? Yeah. Can you, I haven't. You seem to have read a whole bunch of reviews that I didn't. I read something in the Mary Sue that was like, let's put Simone and Brent up against each other. And I was like, that that sounds like an absolute disaster. And I don't know why you would think that. They also said Brent was worse than any demon. And I was like, no, he's a absolutely terrible human being, but he's never tortured a baby. So I'm going to say no. He's also not immortal, so... You know, it's a pretty clear line to me that everyone in, whose entire existence is torturing innocent people are as far away on the moral scale from just a human being who sexually harasses people as that human being is from like an actual good human being, right? Like, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of daylight there. Brent is not the worst character on the show morally. That's obviously Sean. <laughs> I, yeah, Don't. but, I, but I, I do think to a certain degree that this is partially what we talked about in our last episode is that all of the bad people we've come across, all of the bad beings that we've come across in the history of this show have been sort of comically bad or or bad to a degree where like, you know. Absurdity, yeah. Absurdity, that's it. Thank you. That's exactly the word I was looking for. Whereas... Brent is a very real threat, like, is a very a real type of bad that a lot of people encounter. Like, I think we have an easier time laughing at the demons because they're kind of meant to be these caricatures of what it is to be, like, a, a bad being. Because, like, they're the ones saying, like, yeah, uh, we're gonna, like twist people in half and you know we have penis flatteners and like bees with teeth and like all these things that are so far out from our our daily lived experiences that we can imagine that as being torture but it's also meant to be funny whereas I think with Brent like he is the type of guy that so many of us have to deal with on a daily basis either we work with them or we we live in a country run by one governed by them right and so i think that might be why someone would say like well he's worse because he's a much more like clearly crystallized version of like he's clearly just he's brett kavanaugh right like we've said that a few times but like that is I think a much more clear and present danger to a lot of people than the bees with teeth are. Yeah, but I, I mean, hear, but I for, for us in the in the first world, yeah. I mean, yeah. there are certainly people in the world who have to deal with much greater evils on a daily basis. Sure. Not that I necessarily want to like get into really enumerating those, but no. There are people who are going to deal with people who are a lot closer to the demon end of the spectrum, like yeah. in their real lives. Yeah. So you mentioned some of the reviews. Um, I read a bunch just... So I know, did... Uh, yeah. So I'm kind of curious what you distilled out of them since I did not read a ton. So a lot of them... Uh, a couple of them that I read t- sort of talked about like how they should have aired 
these two episodes together, last week's episode and this week's episode, because they really did round each other out. And I think that's true. But I, I think just from a like a an airing schedule standpoint, they decided to do the finale as an hour. So I don't think they could have done both as an hour. Um, oh yeah, that's a that's a that's a tough ask for NBC. Yeah. So, you know, and a lot of people are still kind of wondering, like, are we really going to stick with all of these new people the whole season, right? Because we like, haven't we didn't see John at all. Yeah, in this that, well, episode. that's the thing, right? We were talking last time about how we don't have a lot of real estate left to ingratiate ourselves to these new characters. Clearly, Brent as we've said numerous times is like kind of unrepentant. And in this case is not repentant at all, but he's just doing better things so that he can get into like diamond elite, uh, <laughs> best place with his buddy. What, what did he call him? Squirt man? Like <laughs> something horrible, something terrible. White Guillermo. <laughs> um, oh God. Yeah. I mean, I, I only laugh to keep from screaming, but yeah, we haven't seen John at all. And Linda's obviously out of the picture and we don't, you, you are correct that we don't quite know what's up with the bad place and why they went with Chris, because I don't believe it's because they think they're, they're going to lose. And so they were trying everything. I I think. And they're desperate. That was Michael saying, it's like, no, that doesn't track. That doesn't track to me at all. And so there were a lot of reviewers going like, you know, it's hard to imagine. So this one review from, Vox says it's hard to it's also not hard to wonder how the good place might spin 13 episodes out of this setup granted the show has blown up its premise many many times before it can and will continue to do so but right now it feels as though the show is settling in for the long haul and it could be hard to engage with characters like Brent when they're so clearly dupes being slotted in a particular role in an experiment so I think people are at this stage it's almost like the meta narrative of the show is like well, we know there has to be something else, right? There has to be another right. twist. It's because not... we've been through three seasons of this now, and I think particularly in season three, the the focus of each episode, or the focus of the season changed almost on an episode-to-episode basis. So people are like, okay, but we can't be hinging the fate of the universe on, like, a misogynist from Connecticut and like a gossip blogger. No, 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 like, no. He's from he's from the suburbs of Chicago. Oh, that's right. I'm so, oh, which is why was, the music. Woo! Which is why. The, which is why the music was Chicago. Oh yeah. Twenty five or six to four. Got it. Oh, the music. I was like, they started playing that riff. I was like, wait, I know that song. Yeah. Because <laughs> I did uh, not know the Ari- Ariana Grande song that they used the first time. Oh, yeah. My musical tastes are that of a 50-year-old white man. <laughs> that is the truth. You're right. We can't be hinging the... But, like, the, the sentiment remains true. We can't be hinging the fate of the universe on these jabronis. Can we? I mean, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair point. I mean, it would be pretty terrible... Right? And everybody, you know, in... I know they're not supposed to... Like, they wouldn't say, like, yeah, the finale, you know, we really... What does Janet say? Pooched it? Like, you're really pooching it. Like, they're not... They're obviously not going to say that on a press tour, but everybody's been saying, like, you know, the ending... The finale's going to be satisfying. I think that's what Kristen Bell said. Yeah. And, like, you're going to understand that, like, this was the right place to end it. So, like, right now, I think everybody's looking around going, like, well, this doesn't feel like the right way to end this. So, what do you all have up your sleeve for the next, whatever, and it's only, 11 episodes? I was going to say it's only 13 episode seasons. So, right. I mean, again, we've we've demonstrated so many times that they can chew through plot at a tremendous rate. Right. So, it's not like, oh, they only have 11 episodes. Like, they have... They have stood up and torn down hundreds of universes in the space, you know, of an hour. Right. So, you know, we shouldn't wring our hands too much about, like, how can they possibly in 11 episodes. But I think the reviewer's point is sound of, like, yeah, I mean, it's not actually going to hinge on whether these three jamokes, like, actually manage to become better people. Like, that's crazy. Right. Because... Simone's basically a good person already. She's just kind of having an identity crisis. Or not an identity crisis, but a... A reality crisis. A reality crisis. But she's basically a good person already. Right. I'm sure all of the 
all the strikes against her that would have put her onto the bad place were like the normal like oh she bought coffee and the coffee beans were harvested by people who were treated unfairly you know like the normal stuff that we now know apparently puts you into the bad place because there's no ethical consumption in capitalism right exactly whereas i think our other two by the the way it's so funny to me when we like sometimes I'll look at the comment section about like a uh, an episode, you know, I'll just see what people are saying, and and it's just people being like, "Well, why did Simone go to the bad place?" I'm like, "Is nobody paying attention to the premise of the show?" Everyone <laughs> Which is that goes to the literally bad place. everybody for the last five hundred years. years has gone to the bad place except Mindy. <laughs> yeah, man, she she. She had a pretty good deal, all things considered. Yo, she sure did. Yeah. So, I I just think that, I think some of the reviews are like, let's get the show on the road, right? Like, we know it's not going to be this, so can we, can we get to the place? Which is how we feel, I think. You and I feel, maybe. Um, I, I, like, I think the fact that this episode, you know, even if it is kind of, like, not exactly where we want to be the fact that this episode was able to give us that scene between eleanor and michael kind of elevates it and gives it uh meaning beyond what is you know the inherent meaning right like the fact that eleanor has to go through this sort of crisis of conscience and crisis of faith that for me kind of gives the two-parter more heft than it would have otherwise right which is, I think, why people, why some reviewers were saying, wow, I really wish this would have been aired as one block. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bothered about that. I don't care. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. But, like, I will say, I will say, if this premise kind of goes on for too long, it's going to get annoying. Like, I would argue that the be- the, the front half of season three, where they're on Earth, like, went on for too long. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're going around and they're like, it's all this like slapstick, like Michael's appearing to various people in various personae, which like have hilarious aliases, but still, and they're trying to, you know, pull the strings and do all kinds of stuff. And like, it just went on a little too long. Yeah. I agree. You know, so, you know, nothing, season three, in my opinion, the pacing of seasons one and two were absolutely stellar yeah like there was just this sort of there was no slack at all everything was just balanced within an inch of its life and it was like pretty much perfect and then season three had that weird front half that felt like it had all this slack in the line and then once you got to the back half and they actually make it to the real good place and they kind of realize that there's this ineffectualness of the of the people in the good place like that then it felt like it was back to the pace that we were accustomed to for the first two seasons. And so I'm just like, I- I'm hoping that they actually have 13 episodes worth of stuff that they want to say about whatever the end is that they're driving towards. I agree. I agree. And I think that especially because they made such a big deal uh, on their press tour and in all their like in the press release about season four being the final season that like, we could go on and we love this crew and we love this cast and we all wish we could stay together forever. But like, this is the time and like the way that we want to end this, everybody's going to understand why we wanted to end it here. And that's what the cast is saying too. Like I understood why they wanted to end it here. So like, I think, I think it maybe is like, we're getting to a place where at least for me, like I, I want to, I do trust them. But I agree with you that, like, I want to see why you have chosen to end this season when and where you are going to. And right now, it still feels a little frenetic. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm hoping that in the next couple episodes, it settles down and they actually get to, like, the real meat of what they're going to, because what they're going to have to say. Because, you know, this is it. This is, this is going to be it. Right. So I think the I think you would say it's a fair assessment that what we don't want for the season is that it has this really satisfying place that they arrive to, but they only arrive, they only kind of engage with those ideas for the last like three or four episodes of the season. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 
don't want to be marking time. No. And you don't want it to be at the risk of, again, I never watched this show, but I engaged with sort of like the cultural commentary around it. You don't want it to be like Game of Thrones, where everybody kind of felt like the ending of that show was really, really rushed and wasn't satisfying because you had characters, because they wanted to end the show, you had characters like making decisions that they never would have made a couple seasons ago and this, that, and the other. And so people were really upset by the way that it ended because it just sort of took these giant leaps. And I wouldn't want that for this show either. Even though I think in the structure of the show, you can have, you know, you can take giant leaps in time and you can rewind things or reboot things and go back and forth and that kind of thing. Um, and in so fact, not- that might be that might be what we see, if not next week, because they have to engage with John, right? They need a John episode. That's right. But it might be that episode three is a John episode where they kind of figure him out in whatever way. And then episode four is like a huge time skip where it's like, okay, it's been, I don't think they gave him a year, right? Yeah. 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 It might be season three. Sorry. Episode three is John. And then episode four is okay. Like we've got, we've been here for like 51 weeks, you know, and we're coming up on the end. Ooh, that would be interesting. That would be really interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past them. (laughs) I mean, they've done crazier stuff before. I mean, you talk. I'm going to look up the upcoming episodes because whichever one's written by Megan Amram is probably where a lot of the plot's getting dropped into our laps. <laughs> probably. Um, okay, so while you look up that, I just want to um, put a little PSA out there for our listeners. Um, please look up... Okay, so first of all, I apparently have been saying Manny Jacinto's name incorrectly the entire time we've been doing this podcast. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's Jacinto? It's not Jacinto? It's Jacinto. And the reason I know that is because I watched uh, a video today called Manny Jacinto Reads Thirst Tweets About Himself from BuzzFeed. And so he pronounced it Jacinto. And I was like, okay, well, if you you know how to pronounce your own name. So I (laughs) apologize, sir. Uh, You are quite good looking. And very talented, and now I know how to say your name. But please, that's my PSA for everyone, is please watch this video of Manny Jacinto reading thirst tweets about himself, because it is hilarious, and some of the things that people say about him are bonkers, and he has to just sort of, like, sit there and absorb it, and um, at one point he speaks French, so if you're into that, that's there for (laughs) you. But he's a very good-looking guy, so I think he deserves it. Okay, the next four episodes, which are being aired, uh, so these are, the, it's the rest of October. Yeah. So episode three is called Chillaxing, which I don't, <laughs> okay. I don't recognize the writer's name. It's Aisha Muharar. The next week is called, and this is, brace yourself, Brianna. It's okay. called Tinker Tailor Demon Spy. Ooh, we're getting some John Le Carre action in here. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it it probably means that there is a bad place spy in the neighborhood. Ugh. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, the next uh, episode, and this one's written by Joe Mandy, who is like a kind of a big name in the Sherniverse. Yeah. The next one is so no Tinker Tailor Damon Spy is written by Cord Jefferson, which is a name I've definitely heard, but I couldn't tell you exactly he did how. The, but... He did the joke we crumb from a land down under. Oh, excellent! <laughs> the next week after that is called Employee of the Barami, as in Jeremy Barami. <laughs> so that's <laughs> potentially. So it could be two things. It's probably it's probably a play on like Employee of the Week or Employee, employee of the, of the yeah. Employee of the Month, Employee of the Barami. <laughs> That's very funny. And that's written by Joe Mandy, so I'm expecting kind of a plot, a lot of plot in that one. Yeah. And then the last one of October is called A Chip Driver Mystery. I got nothing. It's written by Lizzie Pace. So no Amram so far. Huh. Woof. A chip, a chip driver mystery? Yes, as in a chocolate chip, a car driver and a thing written by Agatha Christie. <laughs> a chip driver mystery. Yeah, I don't. I, don't. I got nothing. No. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read this one nice tweet, okay. and then we're going to go. Okay. So, Daunting Pink tweeted at me to say, or tweeted at us, I should say, to say, hey, hey, Daunting Pink here. I'm super giddy that you read my review on the pod. That's so, that's so adorable. I love 
<laughs> I mean, like, I also get giddy when I write to a podcast and they actually read the thing yeah. that I have written to them. But I think the podcasts that I listen to probably have a hundred times as many listeners as we do. <laughs> yes, I'm a girl and I'm getting at you guys. So I was correct in my assessment of her gender. Hooray mm-hmm. for me. And that one star... <laughs> That one star review is bullshit. <laughs> no comment. Okay. Anything else before we wrap up? I think that's it. I do think you're right. I think next week's going to be a John episode. And how could you know, it not be at this point? And he seems like he'll be kind of a less dirt of bag, a problem, but at least a fun dirtbag to be around. Like. <laughs> You right, know. it's the kind of, I mean, he is the kind of guy who I'd, like, want to hang out with at a party, as opposed to Brent, who I would want to be ejected from a party. Yeah, you'd be like, I'm staying away from you at this party because you're probably going to spike my drink. <laughs> I'm, right. you know. Um, yeah, I agree. So, looking forward to that, and, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I, I'm kind of on pins and needles to see what happens next in the long haul, but... Well, that is the way of the good place. I gotta just get through. It's just, I feel like I'm Jeremy Barramying it up (laughs) right now. Just waiting. Okay. Alrighty. Until next time. Bortles. (laughs) Blake. Wherefore out there, Blake. Uh, We'll see you next time, Ding Dong. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's So, <laughs> don't address it. <laughs> <laughs> so.